Welcome back to Musar for Sar Shalom and the Lapid Nation. I'm Batya Gage, and thank you for joining us today as we continue to work on perfecting our midot, our character traits for uh, anyone that's new to Musar. Currently, we're doing a six-week study of Teshuva, and we're at the very end of that study. In fact, today is our last week of that six-week study, so we'll finish that study today. Um, <clears throat> We also only have a very, very few days of counting the Omer. Uh, it's an exciting week. We uh, The mikvah is open. Uh, Texas is opening. <clears throat> Shavuot is coming. We're having out-of-town guests for Shavuot. <clears throat> so it's a very exciting week and a lot of festivities going on. But before we can begin the festivities, we have a couple of things that we need to complete. Of course, Persevering with the last few days of counting the Omer <clears throat> is very important. And then the next thing is that we need to complete this Teshuvah study. So uh, let's just review a little bit what we've uh, learned last week, which was stage five of the Teshuvah process, and that was making restitution. Rabbi Yonah, in the book that we studied, Shaurei Teshuvah, states as his 16th principle of, of teshuva as rectifying the wrong. Uh, what everyone did wrong, he has to go back and rectify that wrong. <clears throat> There's uh, many ways of doing that. One way might be through a monetary means. If you uh, owe someone money, pay it back. If you've damaged someone's property, replace it uh, or have it fixed. Another way of me making restitution is through words. If you have wronged someone through your words, <clears throat> then you can rectify that through your words. And the first way to do that is to go to them and ask forgiveness for, for that wrongdoing. <clears throat> Rabbi Yonah also discussed and we studied what to do if you go to that person and they won't forgive you. Um, and so if you need, if you're in that situation, go back and look at that video. Or what if the person has died or you can't find them? <clears throat> Very briefly, you just take people with you. Um, if they're still alive and they won't forgive you, you go back three times. And if they're dead, then you can actually go to their grave with their, uh, people and take care of it there. If your sin was against Hashem only, then you need to make sure that you're also taking care of that. If you need to start doing something or stop doing something, you need to do that immediately as well. Then we reviewed the Midot of Chesed. <coughs> Excuse me. To love your fellow as yourself is a major concept, precept of Torah that encompasses pretty much the entire Torah. And if we strengthen our Midot of Chesed, it makes it a lot easier to make restitution for things that we have done wrong. The mitzvah of loving your fellow as yourself requires the opposite of self-centeredness. It requires that we uh, look out at the other person and see what their needs are uh, rather than our own. And it obligates us to recognize those person's needs and to that we are not in this world for ourselves but for others. Um, when we think that everything that we have, including our money, is ours and did not necessarily come from Hashem, then we become stingy. 
and uh, with our money and with our stuff. And with this kind of an attitude, it's a lot easier to see how someone could steal from someone else. Um, and so when we see that, that what we have does maybe comes from our own power, then we do become stingy. And then it's a lot easier to steal and to harm our fellow. If our chesed is strong and balanced, there probably will be fewer times that we need to make restitution because we have already been focusing on the other person anyway. And if we do something wrong and we quickly make restitution, it, it will strengthen our chesed. Uh, it will only make it stronger. Your homework for the week was to determine if there was anyone that you did need to go and make restitution to and to begin that process so that we can complete this process of teshuva. So for the last five weeks so far, very briefly, we have studied that step stage one was to recognize that there actually is a sin. And then that's not just enough, but stage two was to feel remorse. We cannot say, oh yeah, so what? Well, you know, I did it. But we have to feel true remorse for that sin. Number three is to respond in the appropriate way by stopping the sin and returning to Hashem's way. We've used the phrase over and over and over, let go of the charrettes. Um, taking responsibility and making sure that we don't repeat this sin, uh, going back and looking where do we get off track and what fences can we put in place. And then last week, number stage five was making restitution. So now we're at stage six and we have examined our lives. We've made our written list. We've looked at why we may have avoided doing teshuva. We've made sure that we're not continuing in the sin, that we have stopped the sin. We've gone back and looked to see where did we get off track. Uh, we've made restitution. Uh, we've asked for forgiveness from those that we need to. Now what? Now what is the final stage? How do we actually remove that stain of the sin from our lives? How do we make ourselves clean again? How do we restore our relationship with Hashem? Psalm 51, 7, we've been studying Psalm 51 this last five, six weeks. Verse 7 says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And that's what we want at this stage. Rabbi Yonah, uh, in his book, Shadrei Teshuvah, says that the minimum for Teshuvah is to regret the sin and confess the sin and pray to Hashem for forgiveness. And that this is equivalent to immersing in a mikvah. And that this, this process of Teshuvah purges a person from his sin. Rabbi Yonah's 14th principle of Teshuvah then for stage six is vidui or confession. He states that vidui is essential to teshuva. Uh, Vaikra 5.5 5 says he shall confess what he has sinned. Um, I posted out on Facebook this week a really great video from Chabad. I, I loved it. It was great. It was perfect. Went right along with what we're studying. And I hope you got to see that. Uh, if not, maybe you can go back and find that. Rabbi Yonah states that it is appropriate for a penitent, a pe, 
penitent individual to make restitution before making confession. And he goes on and says that indeed David Hamelik, peace be upon him, when he repented of his sins, did this before reciting Vidui. So he uh, made restitution. He asked for forgiveness. He took care of all of that before confessing his sins. Um, in Sha'are Teshuvah, in the note on page 106, note one says, saying Vidui without having rectified the misdeed in a case where it can be rectified is similar, here's that phrase again, to immersing in a mikvah while grasping a charrette in one's hand. And if you've just joined us, the charrette is w- one of the critters in Vaikra that will make you impure or unclean. So how do we do this confession thing? Obviously, we're not Catholics. We don't go in a booth with a guy standing there and he gives us some things to do. How do we do this confession thing? Hosea 14 says, Return, O Israel, unto Hashem your God, for you have stumbled in your sinfulness. Take words with you and return to Hashem. These words are the words of confession and prayer. We've made a list, but it's not enough just to have that list. Now we've got to confess those one by one to Hashem. The Chabad, the Chabad video that I posted went on to say something very interesting. It said that speaking the confession out loud is very powerful, and we should be sincere in that com- confession. In fact, if we are not, true teshuva has not been done. But what if we confess and we're not sincere? Then what? It goes on to say that those words are so powerful when spoken out loud that just the fact that we have spoken those words out loud may lead us to remorse, to the remorse that would lead us to to true teshuva. So it's very important that we speak those words out loud. Proverbs Mishle 28, 13 says, One who conceals his sins will not succeed. And this teaches us that one who tries to cover up his sins and does not confess them will not succeed um, in covering them up before Hashem. And Hashem will make his sins known to others. Uh, On the other hand, one who does not cover up his sin but confesses them, Hashem will cover them over um, and grant him atonement. So we need to confess these sins verbally to Hashem specifically. Not some blanket, forgive me for all the sins I've ever done, but specifically, I did this. Uh, Listing them one by one. I recommend that this is why it is very good to keep a very short list. Take care of Teshuvah regularly, not once a year, but regularly. Psalm 32 are some beautiful words of confession that we might want to learn. Um, This psalm goes, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. 
So it's in this prayer of confession, um, not some booth to some guy, but to Hashem that we make this confession of our sins. And Hosea even goes on to give us the exact words to say in 14.3. Take words with you, return to Hashem, and say to him these words. May you forgive all sin and accept good and let our lips substitute for bulls. And this prayer of confession is as if we had sacrificed a bull and the blood was sprinkled on the parochet and the golden altar inside the holy place. Um, Isaiah 44, in Isaiah 44, 22, it describes it this way. Hashem's response. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. You know, in addition to praying um, that our sins be blotted out like a cloud and a mist, we also want to pray that our relationship with Hashem would be restored. Um, it, what if it were that Hashem forgave us, but He no longer wanted to have anything to do with us? You know, just as in any relationship um, it, that's uh, damaged by betrayal, Perhaps the person will forgive you, but they don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. So the, the relationship is not restored. Most of us would never think of cheating on our spouse, but when we sin, we are in effect cheating on Hashem. And, and so our relationship with Him is damaged. So we also need to pray that once again, we would have His favor. So as it says in Psalm 36, life results from His favor. So not only do we want his forgiveness, we want his favor his, and restoration of that relationship. Psalm 51.4 again says, Cleanse me thoroughly of my sin and purify me of my transgression. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your rock from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Our very own rabbi recommends taking that list and confessing each one out loud, even if it's a long list. Spend some time and confess each item. Not a blanket prayer, but specifically each one of those items. Again, another reason, good reason for keeping your list short. Uh, there's an excellent, oh, beautiful prayer of confession in Daniel 9. And I'm, I'm going to read a, some excerpts from it, but I encourage you to go back and read all of that Daniel 9 confession that Daniel does for his people. He starts out, I prayed to the Lord my God and I made confession. And I said, oh Lord God, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. We have rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, um, because we have sinned against you. And to you belong mercy and forgiveness. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. 
Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the Torah, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. He goes on. Oh, Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, your holy mountain, because for our sins and the iniquities of our fathers and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Cause your face to shine upon us, upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolation. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercy, O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, listen and act. Beautiful words of confession. And they may sound familiar because many of them sound very familiar to the words of the Al-Chet that we, that we pray the prayer of confession we pray on Yom Kippur. Um, so if you're struggling with some words, Daniel can help you kind of plumb the well there for some words of confession. Okay, so once these six stages have been completed, you can be assured that forgiveness is yours. Is there anything else that we need to do? Anything else to complete this whole thing? So let's look back at our Psalm 51 uh, again. In verse 13 it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall... uh, Show forth your praise. You know, one sure sign of our repentance is our merciful feelings and compassion towards others that we perhaps see are on the wrong path or that are sitting. We may feel an urgency to help them not fall in the pit we fell in. It says that the wicked entice others to sin, but the righteous seeks to turn sinners from sin. So the first thing David says he wants to do now is teach transgressors Hashem's way. True story. There was a concert in a large uh, auditorium with a band and a packed auditorium and a fire breaks out. The members of the band grab their instruments and exit backstage and out the back door, while all the people in the auditorium scramble for the exits, the front door, and they trample each other. Many people are killed either in the fire or from being trampled. All while this is going on, one of the members goes back to get one more instrument, looks around, sees the panic and chaos going on, picks up his instrument, and walks out the back door. True story. And he sees the people dying without ever pointing them to another escape door, to the back door. If you know the way out of death, surely you would want to share that. We are not responsible for changing people's hearts. Only Hashem can do that. We don't save people. Only Hashem. We are only responsible for pointing people to the way to repentance by sharing our own story of forgiveness. 
If this is dis difficult for you, remember, if you keep silent, you may prevent people from finding the exit that they need that, that brings life in a burning building. We've been studying the story of David from 2 Samuel for the last five weeks. Uh, we looked at how everything started even before that. So now we're going to kind of jump into the future a little bit. As our story of David continues in 2 Samuel, uh, in chapter 16, we see that during a troubled time in David's time as king, a man from the clan of Saul comes, his name is Shimei, and he comes out to curse David and to throw stones at him and yell criticisms at him. Um, and uh, his servant, King David's servant, servant Abishai pleads with the king, please let me cut his head off, which King David had every right to do. Um, and in 2 Samuel 19, Shimei begs for mercy. Now this might sound familiar to David. He was in a similar situation, remember? And he says, Shimei says to King David, for I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Now listen to King David's words back to him and see if these sound familiar. You shall not die. These were the very words Hashem said to him when he, King David, confessed to Hashem that he had sinned. Now, parentheses here, um, although King David gives him mercy on this day, um, Shimei does pay for it later on uh, with a successor. So he doesn't get away with it completely. But David does remember where he came from and the mercy that was shown to him. And so now he's showing that mercy to another sinner. You know, another sure sign of our repentance is our feelings of forgiving others, their debts to us. And Yeshua has a, a great story in Matthew 18 about this very thing. A king wanted to settle his accounts and one man owed him a very large sum of money but was unable to pay. The slave threw himself on the ground and begged for more time. The king had compassion on that slave and released him and from, from his debt. That same man went out to find a fellow slave who just owed him a few dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat. He demanded that he pay everything he owed. When this man also begged for mercy, he refused and threw him into prison. So when the king hears about this, he says, You evil slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have shown mercy to your fellow slave, just as I showed mercy to you? And the king threw him into prison until he could pay back the entire debt. Now what's scary about this story is what Yeshua says next. He says, So also my heavenly Father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So our being forgiven, our huge debt by Hashem, should uh, cause feelings in us to forgive others their small debt to us. Okay, so the last thing David does in Psalm 51 is this. Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. 
the last thing he does in this whole process is he praises Hashem for his forgiveness and his restoration. You know, there is a, a, a wonderful kind of ritual that we do on the afternoon of Rosh Hashanah called Tashlik. You take pebbles or, or breadcrumbs and you go out to a body of water and you cast those pebbles or breadcrumbs into the water and it kind of symbolizes this um, so, uh, verse from Psalm. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So the very last part of this whole process, Rabbi Mordecai recommends taking that list you've written and you've confessed and now destroying it. Rip it to shreds, put it in a fire, do something to, to symbolize that your sins have been completely removed. Um, and this visual aid may help you truly uh, realize your sins have truly been forgiven and you have truly been restored. Sometimes a visual will help us. I remember last Sukkot, the youth group, the J crew, sitting around the, the campfire at our home. And they all had little scraps of paper. I asked him, what are you doing? He said, we're writing out our sins and we're putting them in the fire. And it was, it's a beautiful ritual. So um, it can be very helpful. Okay, time for a Medot review. Psalm 36 says, An oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of Hashem before his eyes. You know, if we become lax in our Avodah Hashem, if we become lax in gathering at the shul to pray, if we become casual about what we eat, we have probably lost our fear of Hashem. On our last lesson today on Teshuva, I would like us to review the Midah of Yerah. And that is the Hebrew word. And in English, it's hard to really come up with a good translation. Well, we have to use two words, basically. We have to use fear and awe. And even then, it's a bit hard to describe this feeling of Yerah. Imagine standing on the lip of the Grand Canyon, um, looking down into that vast canyon and Fear and awe emerge into this exuberant kind of inner feeling, inner experience. Um, my knees shake. Um, you may become breathless. Um, and, and this is kind of fear and awe. With Hashem, there, there is Yerat Ha-Onesh and there's Yerat Ha-Romemu. Now Yerat Ha-Onesh is the fear of the ultimate punishment. For our wrongdoing, while Yerah Haromemu is awe at Hashem's glory and grandeur. This summer we're going to be studying the book, The Path of the Righteous, and it says this The fear of heaven has two aspects the fear of tribulations and divine retribution, and the awe of his glory, majesty, and awesome power. Deuteronomy 10 12 says, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God want of you? 
only that you fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. So how are we to understand this word Yerah, this fear? You know, if we don't understand the word Yerah, we can't do the rest of the verse. Do we understand it through cultivating fear or through cultivating awe? And the answer is yes. Yes. You know, human nature is such that we are often more motivated by fear than the promise of reward. Rabbi Luzato says there's nothing more likely to keep you away from doing something harmful to yourself than the fear of injurious consequences. So we're pretty motivated not to put our hand on the hot stove because it hurts. On the other hand, the Hofus Chaim cautions. Even though fear of punishment can be effective in the short run, it is a faulty basis for spiritual endeavor compared to that other factor embedded in the notion of Yerah, which is awe of divine majesty. He goes on to say that if we're only serving Hashem to avoid punishment, pretty soon we're going to begin to look for loopholes, find ways that we can um, do less but not get punished. And so we're going to find ways to get out of serving Hashem, basically. The Malbim, a rabbi from the 1800s, says this, The wise of heart have explained that it is impossible to immediately attain the exalted level of awe of heaven. Rather, one must first come to fear his judgment and only then ascend to the more elevated level of Yerahoromemu, which is uh, awe and grandeur. So, we may have to have both. We may have to have the fear of punishment first, and that may lead to uh, this fear of, uh, this awe of his grandeur and majesty. So how can we use all of these complex concepts of Yira to perfect our own Midah? Rabbi Luzato redirects our thoughts of fear of punishment to fear of stumbling and doing something that would dishonor Hashem. So rather than fear the punishment, fear letting Hashem down, fear uh, not uh, doing Kedush Hashem. So our focus should not be on the punishment itself, but on that we're not living up to our full spiritual potential. You know, like I referred to earlier, most of us would never even consider cheating on our spouse. And and yet, when we sin, we are in effect cheating on Hashem. And so we need to fear that, fear uh, letting Hashem down, not living up to our part of our relationship with Him more than we fear any kind of punishment. That should be our greatest fear. So take a moment to con ponder, what is it that you fear? Um, is it the loss of material possessions? The loss of security? Is it the loss of uh, something regarding your soul? Fear can be a motivating power. Isn't that why we work? Because we fear being hungry? Um, maybe we fear being homeless? That's, that's the fear that makes us uh, do something. So how can we use that power of fear into spiritual endeavor. Rabbi Avraham 
Joshua Herschel Heschel says, um, has a great paragraph here I want to read. Awe is more than an emotion. It is a way of understanding. Awe is itself an act of insight into a meaning greater than ourselves. Awe is a way of being in rapport with the mystery of all reality. The meaning of awe is to realize that life takes place under wide horizons. Horizons that range beyond the span of, of an individual life or even the life of a nation, a generation, or an era. Awe enables us to perceive in the world of intimations of the divine, to sense in a small thing the beginning of infinite significance, to sense the ultimate in that simple to feel in the rush of the passing, the stillness of the eternal. Wow. Whew. In order to do that, we have to zoom out. We have to use our zoom out lens. Most of the time, we live our life with our camera zoom all the way in, close up. We're focused on ourselves, our lives, our needs, our desires. But if we're going to live in this kind of awe, We've got to zoom all the way out. And if we do, we can see a bare picture. A reason perhaps not only for our lives, but the lives of all mankind, past and present. If we zoom out even more, we see time disappear and we see all of eternity past, present, and future without end. And seeing life this way gives us a whole different perspective. Now we don't obey the mitzvah, mitzvot because of fear of some punishment, but because we see that our, our actions are part of this huge eternal plan. Proverbs 9.10 says, The beginning of wisdom is the fear of Adonai. But keeping away from sin is a precondition for experiencing awe. And awe is the gateway to wisdom. Awe arises when we encounter life in ways that breach the ordinary, out of the ignore, the supernatural. But if we sin, we hamper our ability to, to, look, to see this perspective. And awe is one of those character traits that we have to work on continually because it tends to diminish over time. So many of us that have been working on Musar for a year or two years, we know that there's certain midotes that we just have to come back to over and over. And this is one of them. We may experience a, a moment of awe or a time of awe, a season of awe, and then it kind of diminishes over time. So we have to work on this midot constantly. One of the first steps in working on our uh, midot of awe Yera, is to remember that we stand before Hashem always. Psalms 16, 8 says, I have set Hashem always before me. A group, a group of men once came to visit the Kotzka Rebbe to ask him, what is the place of God's glory? Rabbi Menachem answered, Hashem's glory is found wherever we let Hashem in. Hashem's presence is not always accessible to us, or at least we don't feel it, unless we make a practice of cultivating that awareness of awe. And that's how we let Hashem in. In the Kotzker's words, 
That's how we know Yera. Yera is fear and Yera is awe blended together. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, The end of the matter, everything having been heard, is this. Fear Hashem, keep his mitzvot, for this is the whole of man. That's our lesson for today. Let's talk about homework. Now that you've had your list, you've journaled, you've gotten all that down, all the stuff is out on that piece of paper, find some way to destroy that list, some visual way. Um, I hope that you wrote it on a piece of paper so that you can do something visually with it. Burn it, shred it, um, throw it in a, a lake, whatever you need to do. In your journal, though, in place of where you rip those pages out, write a praise to Hashem for your forgiveness and for your restoration with Him. Then find some way to tell or teach someone else Hashem's ways. And you know, that is exactly why I put this six-week course together. Uh, it's because I wanted to teach others about the repentance that I have received. Spend some time also this week contemplating the awe of Hashem. Now, for you, maybe that comes best under a starry sky at night, a walk through nature, uh, through Torah study, through whatever. But use a zoomed out lens to look at the bigger picture and and it will make you feel very, very small and your problems even smaller. Okay, uh, that's our lesson. Let's do one final little quick wrap-up review and uh, send you on your way. We have now completed all six stages. If you remember back, stage one was recognize uh, and rebuke. Often we have to recognize that sin because someone has rebuked us from outside ourselves. We don't always do that to ourselves. Oftentimes it has to come from someone else. Remorse, even if we, okay, yeah, I did something wrong, but we also have to have those grief feelings of, of, um, of remorse and sadness. And if we don't, we have become disconnected from Hashem. We've lost awe. We've lost the year of Hashem. Response. Remorse is not the goal of teshuva, but it's change. It's to stop the sin. Uh, we say it over and over. We've got to drop the charrettes before we immerse in the mikveh. Then responsibility was stage four. In order to make sure church teshuva does not really happen until you can be put back in the same situation and not repeat the sin again. So we need to look back and take responsibility for where we first took that first step to get off, looked at something, made a decision, whatever it was, and take responsibility for that. And then create fences if we need to. Um, we talked about um, the vice president who will not um, go out alone with women uh, because he wants to remain faithful to his marriage. So maybe there's a fence you need to put in place. Then, uh, Stage five was restitution, and part of the change requires that we uh, 
make restitution to the person we wronged, either through monetary means or through words, asking forgiveness, um, going to them and asking for forgiveness. And then uh, finally is uh, uh, restoration, completely removing that sin as if it never existed. And that's through through vidui or confession of our sins to Hashem out loud. Rabbi Mordecai recommends this done, be done audibly, item by item by item. Um, and then destroy the list as a visual to you that your sins have been the same way. And then uh, we can pray that our relationship be restored as it were before. And that Hashem would not just forgive us, but not favor us, but that we would be restored. And then afterwards, praise Hashem and then find some way to warn someone else about the pitfall that you fell in. Throughout these six weeks, we've also studied several midot, we reviewed them uh, that will help us in this process. The first one we looked at was silence. Sometimes we have to start this whole process with just sitting silent before Hashem and letting Him speak to us. The second one we looked at was to, uh, humility. Um, teshuva can't get very far if we are not uh, strengthened in our midah of humility. Um, but humility must be balanced, and we looked at that, and we looked at the whole story um, of the um, of the sacrifice that was damaged, and that a leader uh, that doesn't take up his full responsibility is out of balance in his midah humility. We looked at the midah of truth as we examined our lives for sin. We have to have truth. We have to be able to be true to ourselves. Even if we have to go get help from someone else. Responsibility. We looked at the Midav responsibility, which is Akare, which has two meanings. It either means what comes after, which means all of our actions have consequences, or it can mean other, which means we are responsible for carrying the burdens of others. And then we looked at Chesed. We are not created for ourselves, but we are created to benefit others. And that we really are Hashem's bankers. We, that money is not our own, but we just distribute to others what He gives to us. And then today we finished with Yerah, fear of, of heaven. And if we have lost our Yerah, our fear of heaven, it can be quite easy to fall into sin um, and steal from someone, wrong others. And if we see Torah as a burden, we have probably lost that Yerah. Um, and so we need to strengthen our Midah of Yerah. Well, thank you so much for joining me these last six weeks. Um, as we have studied Teshuvah, we took a little time out from our Musar, classic Musar text to look at Teshuvah. And um, so I thank you for doing that with me. Um, next, our summer study is going to be the Path of the Just, which is an older old Musar text by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato. You, you can pick it up fairly uh, cheaply on Amazon or many other sources. Have a great Shavuot celebration this week with lots of cheesecake and, and all-night Torah study. Uh, I heard Rabbi say that um, the all-night Torah study at Sar Shalom will be live streamed, so hopefully you'll get in on some of that. Um, 
then we'll take next Tuesday off to kind of recover from the weekend's festivities. And then in two weeks from today, we will jump back into our summer study, Path of the Just. Perfecting our Medote is a process that never ends. So we're just going to get right back into it. If you'd like, uh, please click the like button, share this video with someone, but most importantly, come back in two weeks so that we can start all over with uh, perfecting our Medote with Path of the Just. Have an amazing week and hog shovel, uh, hog some milk, shovel oat. <laughs>